Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash Holy Backboard. All right, everybody, welcome to the 191st edition of the Holy Backboard podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage uh, chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon. Jesus Christ, man. What a week for the Portland Trailblazers. You're telling me, uh, this season, as, as I mentioned on the last podcast, has been one of the more up and down in terms of emotions, in terms of team performance, in terms of injuries, player additions. I mean, if, if we think, so the Blazers are 23 and 27. They are 50 games into the season. Thinking back to opening night feels like an eternity ago. We have so many new faces. We've had so many adversities to overcome. Uh, them ESPN announced that when Wenyan Gabriel started on Friday night in Los Angeles, he was the 15th different trailblazer to start over a 50 game span. And I think that's just a testament to really how unpredictable the NBA season can be and how difficult it has been for the Portland Trailblazers this year. But here we are. Uh, they have won four straight games. They handled business against the Indiana Pacers, 139-129. They then just dismantled a fully healthy Houston Rockets team, 125-112 on national television. They were the team that had the unenviable task uh, playing the Los Angeles Lakers at Staples Center in the first game since Kobe Bryant's passing. And they handled it like champs. They went into that emotional environment and behind Dame's incredible 48-point 10-assist performance, got a 127-119 victory. And did I mention that they followed that up on a back-to-back against one of the, the best teams in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz? 124 to 107, a 4-0 week for the Trailblazers. They have won four straight games. Sage, they are now 23 and 27 on this season. Just a game and a half back of the Memphis Grizzlies for that eighth seed. And it looks like things are starting to to come into place. Yeah, I mean shit. Just think about it. Like we had Rodney Hood and Zach Collins starting game one and now it's 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 trevor, trevor Reza, yeah who would have thought yet neither of those players were on the roster to start the season no free we've been working that free agency wire and that trade looks good like shit's Sage, we have we have biggie swanigan as our backup center right now if you would have told me that when we traded him for scalabissier i i don't i would have thought future dustin was on magic mushrooms or something mm-hmm yeah, like th- there's been a lot of changes, but you know it's been pretty damn steady. The one, the two, and the five have been pretty damn steady this year. I mean, l- let's lead off with Damian Lillard because he has been playing not just, you know, I think last episode we talked about him in a Trailblazers perspective, how this stretch has been the best of any Trailblazer. He somehow managed to top 
those performances from last week. And now we are talking NBA as a whole, historically, of all time, where this stretch of Damian Lillard ranks. People are talking about how it resembles Steph Curry's uh, January and February of his unanimous MVP season of 2016, how it resembles Kobe Bryant's 06-07 campaign. This guy is an all-time great, not an all-time trailblazer. He is an all-time great. What he was able to do this week is nothing short of legendary. And if we just want to look back at the statistics from the four games played, drops a 50-piece against the Indiana Pacers. And now that was the day that everyone found out that Kobe Bryant and eight others tragically lost their lives. So everyone was playing with a lot of emotion. He goes off for 50 on 14 of 23 shooting, 8 of 12 from downtown, adds 13 dimes and 6 boards. Goes up against Russell Westbrook and James Harden of the Houston Rockets, nationally televised on ESPN. How fitting is it that he gets his first triple-double against Russ, 36, again on 11 of 21 shooting, 6 of 12 from downtown, 10 boards, 11 assists. And now we have what I what I feel like are... Maybe Dame's two best performances back-to-back of all time. Going into Los Angeles was going to be a difficult enough task to, to do before the season even started. Even more so when you looked at the records and how the teams matched up in December with Los Angeles easily having their way with us. Then you factor in all of the emotions that went into that night. And Portland was without Carmelo Anthony as he was sitting out for personal reasons. He goes in there, plays 40 minutes, Sage. Drops 48 points, does it again on 17 of 30 shooting, 7 of 12 from deep, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. 40 minutes. Then he goes the following night against one of the best defensive teams in the league, a fully healthy Utah Jazz team, plays 36 minutes, drops 51 points, 17 of 29 from the field, 9 of 15 from downtown, 12 assists. And what I love about this, Sage, he is not turning the ball over like about two to three turnovers a game. And his true sh- shooting percentage is off the mark. Every advanced metric has Damian Lillard leaping the pack. I, I'm i with Terry Stotts on this one when he was asked, you know, e- even before questions came to him after the Utah game, he's like, don't ask me about Dame. I've ran out of superlatives to describe how he is performing right now. Dame even said, this is the best rhythm that I've ever been in in my entire career. And, and it's hard to argue. Sage, this this man, what he's doing right now, he went from, okay, he's definitely a top 10 player to, okay, he's probably a top five player. Okay, yeah, he's definitely first team all NBA to, oh shit, like he's going to give Giannis a run for his money for the MVP if, if he keeps up some semblance of this performance and gets an injury depleted Blazers team into the Western Conference playoffs. He's putting up statistics that are amazing. He's doing it with players we didn't expect to be in the rotation. The thing that I love and the thing that I hope keeps cuz he's shooting real he's shooting like 50% from the three-point line which I don't think is sustainable. But what I hope is sustainable is that he's getting those those peripherals, those rebounds, those assists. The fact that we can count on him to get 10 assists and then contribute on the boards like that helps us immensely having someone else that can get those boards because we're such a bad rebounding team like i remember that lakers like game there was that run the lakers were making and then 
Dame got a tip in and it kind of changed the momentum. Like the way that Dame has been playing everywhere has been amazing, but he is really contributing in those other stats that really help us because we're such a smaller team. He's been doing it against really tough defenses on paper. Like the, he isn't taking advantage of the the Charlotte Hornets. He's taking advantage of like the best defense in the league. You know, you don't expect Dame to go absolutely ballistic on the best defense in the league, the team that slows it down, that has trapped him, that trapped him at half court, and he still scored. You don't expect that shit to happen, but regardless of the matchup right now, he has been dominating everything, and it, it, it's, it's marvelous to see because this dude has just been killing it, and if we're trying to make the playoffs, if that's the ultimate goal... Dame going superhero is kind of a really great thing. Well, you mentioned the 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 rebounds and the assists. I think what we're seeing from Dame over this calendar year, 2020, so January and February, his playmaking and vision have really taken the the next step. And I think he's now really an all-around point guard. Because you see that when he's able to go into scoring mode and, he, and he, if teams kind of go under the screen, he's able to pull up from anywhere and get that three. That's always been the case over the last couple of seasons. He has now learned what teams are going to do to him defensively and is able to, to split the double team, split the traps. He's extended his range. But where I've really been impressed is when he gets into the paint and now the defenses are going after his shots, and he is throwing the lobs to Hassan. He's watching Nasir cut baseline. He's threw two of those last night uh, to Nasir Little. Did it again against the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, even the Rockets as well. So that has been something that I've been noticing. Um, he's really finding his teammates. And it's not like, oh, he's just swinging the ball to an open shooter. And then he's being the, the recipient of, of an assist. He is actually making plays and setting up his teammates to where the, where it's, it's a guarantee that that ball is going to go in because of the look that he is generating for his teammates. So the assists have been incredible. And if we just want to just take a minute to look at the statistics of what he has done over this, this span. And the span can be from, from 2020 to the last six games, but just to rattle off a few of what he has accomplished. He is the first player in NBA history to average 45 points and 10 assists over a six game span. He is the first player since Kobe Bryant in the 28, 2008 playoffs to have a 45 point 10 assist game at Staples Center. He had 48 and 10. He is the first in NBA history to hit six plus threes in six straight games. He recorded his first straight triple-double against the Houston Rockets. He is the first trailblazer with over 500 points in a calendar month. And I saw on SportsCenter last night that his 293 points over the six-game span tie him for third. I, I believe it's within the modern NBA. I don't know the time frame, but tie him with third with Kobe Bryant. And, and James Harden was one and two. Uh, he had 299 and 296 during his his stretch in 18-19. And Sage, he won the player of the week for the first previous week's performance against the when he had the 61 against the, the Warriors. And then he also went off for 47 against the Mavericks. I believe he's going to win it again. And I think he's probably got to be a lock to win player of the month 
for, for January, just to look at his January numbers, 34.1 points per game. He shot 49% from the field, 45 from three. He had 8.4 assists, 5.1 rebounds. And Sage, what we talked about, 2.9 turnovers. He is playing 38 minutes a night. He is taking 22 shots. And he only has 2.9 turnovers over the stretch of January. With defenses, as you said, just blitzing him, double teaming, double teaming him at half court. I mean, he's pulling up from literally the logo and it looks effortless. He is incredible. Just when you think he's maybe tapped his ceiling, he continues to break it and he sets the bar even higher for himself. So I don't know how to explain this man, but he is is just he is he's just different. You know, and it's not like two bum defenders trapping him. It's. LeBron James and uh, and Avery Bradley. It's Rondo and Anthony Davis. These people. He hit a three over Gobert. I mean, he just pulled up over him like it was nobody there. It, it it's incredible, and yeah, the fact that he is finding his open teammates leads to the discussion that like, since Gary Trent's getting more runs, since Ariz is a threat, like we have more shooters to space that floor, man. So it's easier to find those spots, like. No offense to Bays, but like as soon as he got traded, the 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 court opened up for him to find those that those those shooters and the cutters. Like having that proper spacing is helping Dame have this transcendent six games because man, it, it, it like that court is open. Like we talk, like people have been talking. Like this is the best we've looked. This is the most passing we've looked. Well, look at the court, man. Like. There's times where I just screenshotted like what I was watching, and it was like everyone, people were cheating, and to have to the only people that are cheating are trying to defend Dame and leaving a shooter open has been a very, very beautiful thing for the spacing and the the ball movement that we've had the last few uh, games. You you mentioned Baysmore, and I want to shift the conversation a little bit towards Trevor Ariza because. He is a player that finally gives Portland prototypical size and length at the three spot. He'll have games where he gets 20 points on three or four threes. He'll have games where he gets two points, um, a couple rebounds, maybe a couple deflections. He is the type of player where you cannot look at his box score to truly gauge his overall impact on the game. And that trade is looking better and better. Um, I think he's been revitalized in Portland. I, I think starting suits him. I think knowing you're playing with a legitimate top five player and Damian Lillard has really kind of given him a kickstart. I mean, he is 35 years old and no offense, but playing in Sacramento is probably not going to get him up in the morning with uh, the same amount of energy that playing with a team like Portland is. And you factor in getting a player like Wenyan Gabriel, who again, he had like six fouls in 12 minutes He's got nice length, though. I mean, we threw him in against the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, and he's guarding LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, he played hard. Ariza, he played hard. I I, I like he, that athleticism. You know, I think he's he's definitely a prospect. You don't want him getting rotation minutes right now. He's sushi but, raw, but yeah, he is but but looking looking at Ariza, he just gives Portland someone who can defend a guy like LeBron James. He did a pretty solid job against him, and then. Mike Conley really had his way with, with the Blazers in that first half. But I noticed in the third and fourth quarters, Terry Stott switched Trevor Ariza onto him. 
that length really bothered Mike and Conley went cold, which really opened up the floodgates for the Portland Trailblazers in that third, um, third and fourth period. So it's just another defender and a player who knows his role. And I think we discussed this a little bit on last week's episode, but with Bazemore, you never really knew what you were going to get, whether he would stay within his role or not. Trevor doesn't try to do anything he can't do. And I think that's the best aspect of a role player is not trying to play above your status. Just stay within your box and do what you can to help the team win. And it's looking like a very good pickup right now, Sage. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, yeah, you you said that like the box score doesn't dictate how well he and how much he affects the game. And it's true. Like just someone that, you can throw out there on a Mike Conley or a LeBron James shows the versatility in his game, even though he's an older, older player. But yeah, like just, just the spacing alone makes it worth it. And then damn, we're so undersized with Anthony Tolliver to have a big body like Caleb, just to 100% effort when he's out there is a nice, is, is a nice backup five. And, Obviously, you would love to upgrade it, but right now, Caleb Swadigan's providing something that we desperately need in a big body that is hungry. And so you mentioned a big body that's hungry. I think the the topic that is going to probably become secondary because Damian Lillard is dominating the headlines, but in, in Rip City, the topic is the trade deadline. It, it's February 6th, Thursday at uh, noon Pacific, and what looked like Portland may move us on Whiteside, maybe maybe they don't. Sage, um, I've noticed the chemistry getting a lot better between Whiteside and and Damian Lillard. Those lobs are coming easier, much more natural. Hassan has picked up his performance. I thought he played magical against Rudy Gobert. He completely destroyed the All Star Center. Uh, he had seventeen and twenty one three blocks, uh, shot seven of ten. Uh, you go to Los Angeles, 30 points, 13 boards, shot 13 of 14 from the field, including that, that really that dagger, that the Kobe fadeaway uh, late in the fourth. Um, he has been a difference maker. He played well against the Houston Rockets, who went absolutely tiny, and he wasn't he wasn't a a disadvantage on the defensive end. He was able to hold his own and. You know, he's been quoted by Jason Quick saying, you know, he wants to stay. He thinks he and Nurt can coexist. Again, if you're Neil Olshay, you really are still in a bit of a bind. Like, have you had these conversations with Hassan, with Nurk, with their agents? What does Hassan think he's worth on the open market versus what do the Blazers want to pay? Um, I, again, we, we've talked about this. If it could work, we would love to have those two together if their egos could coexist. Uh, we all know winning cures all, but. Both of those guys have they have egos and not like arrogance, but they're 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 both cocky that they both believe they should be out there. And to be honest, they're both difference makers. But for Portland, I don't. I'm leaning towards eighty percent. They're going to keep us on white side, and that that number keeps trending upwards just because I don't know what you're going to be able to get back that's going to help you right now. And I I honestly, even if it would be. I guess the only way you move him is if he says, I'm not coming back. And I, I don't think that's happened. Because I think if you move him, 
that's a massive slap in the face to Damian Lillard and what that man has done for the franchise. You basically need to abide by his rules at this point in time because he is basically putting his body on the line, like going, I mean, he's just dedicating nearly 100% of his energy towards this, this franchise. And right now you really need to do whatever you can to put a successful roster around him. And you can still look ahead to 2021 because if you can keep Whiteside and Nurk, Mello said he'd want to come back. You got a Mello, Zach Collins, and we got Ariza, Rodney Hood, Dame CJ, G Trent is a rotation player right now. Simons is going to get better. We've talked about this age. This team is built for 2021. Now, if you can get something good out of this year, by all means, go for it. And that's what we're seeing right now. But collectively, if this team can be healthy with the players currently under contract, and this year is different than last, where we have bird rights. We can't, we we really control Trevor Ariza's contract in the sense of whether it's going to be guaranteed or not. And we have Hassan's bird rights. So we are in control of the situation rather than this time last year where it was like, okay, just enjoy the ride this year because a lot of these guys aren't going to be back. And I think that's really exciting if you're a Trailblazers fan. I think you you mentioned the relationship between Dame and Hassan and like, uh, like Dame invited him to Thanksgiving and holidays and stuff. But like Hassan feeds off his teammates as teammates energy and then vice versa. If Hassan's diving on the floor, everybody's really happy for him. Like the way that the chemistry of this team right now is really awesome with just people really happy for one another's accomplishments. And I think that's what's feeding Hassan, like the positive energy of, you know, the six games of brilliance and him contributing and damn near all of them. And like, I, I think with the chemistry like that, he's just going to play better and better and better because earlier in the year he would put up numbers, but, now it's like he's making impact plays every quarter, not in the fourth quarter when shit really, really matters. He the he the the energy right now on this team is fantastic. And what's beautiful is they're doing it when it's needed most. This is the most difficult stretch of the season, and you know you have your reinforcements coming along. Uh, it was reported that Nurkic suffered a, a minor setback in his other leg with his calf, but it's not nothing to to really be be cause for concern. Uh, Zach Collins says he's ahead of schedule, even though it won't impact us this year. Uh, Rodney Hood mentioned that he was ahead of schedule in his uh, Achilles rehab. Um, it was so great to be at the game last night, and they put Hoodie on the Jumbotron. You could tell he was kind of trying to keep it coy, um, keep it pretty... Um, casual but uh he the the grin just kept getting wider and wider and wider as the fans cheered for him and i think that support really fuels a player when they are by themselves rehabbing just knowing that okay this comeback is coming i can't wait to get back on the floor and he's getting messages you know all across social media that you know we can't wait to see you like best of luck on your recovery like that fuels these players because we don't see them by themselves late at night early in the morning whatever time of day just grinding just just going through all of that process to get better, the rehabilitation to be an NBA athlete. And like I said, it's it's exciting right now if, if you're a, a basketball fan, if you're a Trailblazer fan especially. Uh, look, nobody is saying the Blazers are going to make another run to the Western Conference Finals or NBA Finals or whatever. Like making the playoffs at this point and competing in those playoffs 
would be a really fantastic season. And I look at this season now as if I were a fan of a young college football team. Maybe you're six and five or five and six or whatever, and you've got you've got your rival coming up, and if you win, you go to a bowl game. Okay, then you win that bowl game. You're setting the groundwork for next season when those freshmen and sophomores now become upperclassmen, they get that experience, and now they're ready to go and become a top ten team. I look at that exactly the same if you're a Trailblazers fan monitoring the season. You know you've got Dame, but he continues to get better and he's he's getting more chemistry with guys like Hassan Whiteside and Trevor Ariza. You're going to get Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic back. You're going to get Rodney Hood back. And you're going to get time to work all of these players in. And you're really setting yourself up for a strong season next year. Like go out and say, hey, we have all of these hurdles in our way. But we made it through. And we're proud of the effort that we put forth. And we can look back at the season and say it was tough. But we're proud. And that's one thing you can say. These, these guys have not quit. And, you know, we're, we're definitely with Dame playing the way he is, there's nothing to do but to say we're following. Where are you taking us, Dame? We're going to go where you're going. So I want to bring up something that I've noticed the last few weeks. Do you are you in favor of them splitting up Dame and CJ in the rotations where each of them get a chance to run the team and be that alpha? And uh, absolutely. And then. So I've noticed that Damon, Damon Hassan play a lot more together, and then Melo and CJ play a lot together. Are you cool with that as like the rotation where there's two ball dominant guys surrounded by shooters, essentially? I think it's fantastic what Terry Stotts has done with his rotation. Um, like I said, a few of my complaints had been he had been giving Damon and CJ a little bit too many minutes uh, early on in the season when the games felt like they were lost or playing Mario Hazonia over a guy like Nasir Little. But um, I think it's important that CJ get an opportunity to to run the show because he is he's a one-on-one scorer. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. So if, when Dame is on the bench, that's when CJ needs to shine and not only keep the leads where they're at, but extend them. And he did that uh, last night against the Utah Jazz. He had a couple of big shots that really kept Utah at bay. And when you look at Carmelo Anthony... He is such a matchup nightmare for some opponents where he could just bully. I mean, he bullied Bogdanovich. Um, he bullied a lot of the Houston Rockets and he can go down there and score on the block. He can go to get to the free throw line. And when you start a game or you finish a game, you obviously want your five best players, but you're going to get times where you're going to have players who all technically need the ball. We have a lot of those players, so it's important that they get their opportunities over the course of a game so that maybe when somebody comes and double teams Dame, Melo's already had eight, nine shots already in his system. He's going to get the ball. He's going to be in a rhythm. It's going to be important that CJ feels like, okay, they're going to give me the ball. I got to go do work. Or what I've been really liking is actually playing Gary Trent with Dame, putting the shooters around Lillard, putting Nasir Little with Dame because he and Dame, I have noticed, had a really good chemistry. Um, and fun fact, at the game last night, I sat next to uh, C.J. Walker. He's a freshman for the University of Oregon Ducks basketball uh, program. I sat next to his uncle. And, you know, he was telling me that you know, he's from the same part of Florida that, that Nasir and, and Ant were at. And so, you know, we were kind of just, you know, talking about those guys. And um, 
you know, every time Nasir would make a great play, you know, we would just kind of chat about it. And I, I started to notice um, that that Dame and Nasir really play well together. He just seems to move so well without the ball. And when you have a, a player that has the gravitational pull of a defense that Dame does, you need guys that just aren't going to be content with just standing in the corner. Like he cuts to the basket and Dame's finding him. Like the only way that Dame's going to continue these types of performances are if guys like Nasir Little, Gary Trent hit threes, cut to the basket and make defenses pay for double teaming Dame. Now, if they start missing, that's what guys are going to do. I mean, that's what we did against James Harden the last time in Houston. We said, nobody else is going to beat us or everybody else is going to beat us, but you. And that's what happened. And so it's really important that that Terry builds these relationships throughout the season because the NBA game is 48 minutes. It's not the it's not the first five. It's not the last three. It's a 48 minute game. And you're going to have different lineups for different different parts of the game. And uh, so long story short, I, I've been really impressed with how he's really grouped certain players together that complement one another. Yeah, like a Nasir and a Gary Trent. Um, yeah, like ever since we brought Mello in, we've staggered Damon CJ, but the rest of it kind of was a uh a mess. Now that we the restrictions in our lineups are now kind of a benefit because we know Gary Trent and Nasir or Anthony Simons and uh, Gary Trent can work together. We build lineups that we can run together and have proper spacing, and it helps whomever the two usage players are on the on the line. Like, I'm really liking how we're utilizing our players. I wish Mario Hazonia would play less, but it is what it is. We we are running some good lineups, and I'm I'm liking how we're using our limited resources to win games. Dribble, pass, shoot. The Blazers will make a move at the trade deadline. Actually, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the uh, dribble aspect out because I mean, we're, we're three days away from the deadline. You got, you got to make, you got to make a decision. Any move, any move, a, any move. Yeah, I will I will shoot that as well and I think the move is going to be something along the lines of we'll give up a second round pick to move Mario Hazonia's contract off on somebody else's books. Um because he does have a player option for next year and you, you really don't want him picking up that option. I mean, no offense to to Mario, but uh this year has it just hasn't worked out. Uh it the the re- revitalization project uh not one of Neil Olshay's best. And so I do think we will. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So then pass or shoot. The Blazers move us on white side of the deadline. I'm going to agree with you as well for all of the points that we discussed prior. I think the upside is higher keeping white side on this team. I've seen a lot of bad trades online um, from opposing teams, from our, our fans that maybe save Portland some some tax money, but take on more money next year. Uh, I I just, I, I think the, the risk reward is worth it for the Trailblazers. And 
they would be foolish not to explore how Hassan and Nurk play well together. And even if you don't get anything for Hassan, I think it is important that Nurkic come back and not start. I think it's important that Nurkic come back and not feel the pressure of having to lead this team to a playoff push and perform that he was before the injury. And I, I think it's it's really important for his mental state of mind to just ease back into things so his long-term prognosis benefits by coming off the bench this season. And good. The games that we've been playing have made it so the chances that Hassan gets traded are a lot lessened. Like, Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we were, I mean, we go back to that, that Golden State game and we were very, we were a Dame Lillard buzzer beating three from, from losing to the worst team in the league. I mean, you figure you, you lose that game. I, I don't know what that does to the psyche of the Blazers. Um, you know, had we lost that game, we would have been nine games under 500, the, the worst stretch, the worst point of the season with this current stretch coming up. I mean, it really could have spiraled out of control. So I do think the team completely, I mean, that, that's the thing with an NBA schedule. You have to be fluid. You have to adapt your expectations on the fly. And that's why a lot of deals aren't made before the deadline. You want to see where your team's at, how they're performing. Um, and I just think that Dame's play coupled with, with Hassan and their chemistry and how he's been playing well against elite front courts and even unique front courts in the case of Houston has to me made it almost a lock that, that he stays throughout the year. And, and we've really kind of talked about it that, you know, he is a, a good player. I mean, he's had a rough patch um, sometimes, and maybe you can, can question the, the effort on a couple of occasions or, or not, but he is a really solid option if not damn good option right now for the Blazers. And like we said, there's just too much reward for the Blazers. Small market with your best player playing his best basketball of all time, not to see what else can come of that. I think the Blazers need to, they need to double down. Um, they moved Myers and, and Mo for Hassan. And I think it's worked out. Uh, the chemistry is only getting better between the Hassan and the ball handlers. Yeah. It just, you know, I think Hassan has has taken the constructive criticism to heart. You can see that he's making the right reads off of the pick and roll, and the team just feels like it started. It's it's not whole. It's not the roster we anticipated uh, preseason, but they look like a legitimate starting five. And then you factor just Dame's ungodly like performances. I mean, I just they they look pretty legit right now. And I, again, I I want. I want to see this iteration of the Blazers in the playoffs where if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said a lottery pick, but that's the beauty of an NBA season. Your expectations can change on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely think that if we lost that Warriors game, we would have spiraled and probably it would have been like 75, 25 that we trade us on. But now that, you know, we had the success, those two look like boys. Like it, it doesn't seem like it, it. I think it, the cons would outweigh the pros if we traded him because it's like, who the fuck plays center if we trade us on? Caleb Swanigan for thirty minutes? Like, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of murkiness. I mean, at that point, you're you're really punting. Yeah, on exactly. The season, I think, and the way I that think he's played, it's it doesn't seem like a viable strategy. Damian Lillard has been 
unbelievably loyal to this franchise. If you trade Hassan and you punt on this season, I, I don't think he automatically asks for a trade, but I think that may be the first kind of kind of like axe to axe to the the tree that starts to maybe chop it down a bit, and then you start hearing the whispers of. Oh, is Dame, you know, maybe he's not super happy and then you keep, no, I think you do at this point, whatever you can to keep Dame loyal, to keep him happy. I mean, he's the most transcendent player ever, or if you want to argue since Drexler, like he is the most complete. He, his availability is fucking off the charts. He, he's a walking bucket. He's loyal. His leadership is ungodly. Like, I get people. We will never see another blazer on and off the court like Damian Lillard. If we had like John Wall, I get we can really do whatever. But the fact that we have Damian Lillard who's playing ungodly well, like I wouldn't want to risk pissing him off because as fans, we don't want, you know, NBA Twitter saying, what can we get for Hus- uh, for Damian Lillard? Because I can tell you that shit sucks. Having you know the media say, you know, Dame doesn't look happy. I wonder what he would look like in Utah or what he would look like in Los Angeles. Let's just not even deal with that shit up front and try and make him exuberantly happy to be on this team, and probably not trade a guy that's getting twenty points and twenty rebounds weekly. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Sage, let's take a quick commercial break from our sponsors and let's dive into the week that will be for the Portland Trailblazers. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard. Again, that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard to download Grammarly for free. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in the Rose City. Sage, the Blazers have, again, another tough four-game stretch of games. They play the Denver Nuggets Tuesday. The game has been changed to 6 p.m. instead of 7. It will no longer be broadcast on TNT. That is now a Spurs-Lakers game, so it'll be a special broadcast by NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, That, again, is in the Mile High City They come home Thursday to face a team they're battling for playoff contention in the San Antonio Spurs. Another back-to-back. This time, Portland goes to Salt Lake City to play the Utah Jazz. That is an ESPN contest at 7.30. And then Portland welcomes back Myers Leonard and the surprising Miami Heat Sunday night at 6 o'clock in Portland. A difficult four-game stretch. Sage, let's look at the predictions from last week. I went 1-2. and You went 2-1. and You correctly predicted the Utah win, so my hat is tipped to you. Uh, I will say that even though we both predicted a Lakers loss, I I did think Portland had, I thought their one ace up their hole, basically, (laughs) was that 
<laughs> Ace up their sleeve. Uh, hey, what's up? I'm Ace Hall. Was the, the emotions maybe getting to Los Angeles. And that's not taking anything away from what the Blazers did. But I thought that could be a factor for, for Portland. It, regardless, it was an incredible performance. But on the whole... I am 25 and 25. You are 31 and 19, a six game lead. So again, kudos to you, but there are four games currently right now for the week. Let's kick it off with the Denver Nuggets, a team that is pretty banged up right now. They have, they were without Paul Millsap. He has a left knee contusion. Uh, Jamal Murray is out with an ankle injury. Mason Plumlee is out with a foot injury. And then Michael Porter Jr. Did not play against the Pistons. He is out with a right ankle. I do not know his status for the... And they are also not starting Gary Harris. So that is an an interesting wrinkle for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, They did have a great win over the Utah Jazz and then went on the road the following night and beat the the NBA's best team in the Milwaukee Bucks, but blew a 14-point lead against the Detroit Pistons. So uh, this is a team that is 34-16 and on the year. And as always, difficult to beat at home, 19-6. and six. I'm thankful the Blazers have two days off before going into the altitude. But, Sage, this will be the third matchup of the season between the Blazers and the Nuggets. The Nuggets have taken the first two, including the opening night victory in Portland. Uh, what are we looking for, Sage? So with all those injuries, like the the Maysog and the Paul Millsap, they, they were a very good defense. Now, you could take advantage of how bad they are defensively because you replace... Mason Plumlee with more Joker because he's playing more minutes because there is no backup center. You see backup Jeremy Grant. So you can take advantage of this team, especially from the guard position and the center position because Joker ain't going to chase Hassan Whiteside around. Like that defense, since these injuries, is bad. You can take advantage of it. And I know like all of these ESPN stats and information and even like defensive to, uh, first matchup looks really bad for the Blazers' favor, but with all these injuries, it's a game changer. And the Denver defense is not good. Um, you look at Will Barton, who's been really, really, really effective, being that guard lead guard with Jamal Murray out. And I know Jamal Murray had the Q tag in the last game, but man, he's been out a long time, and I don't think that the Nuggets are going to be able to put him in the. Uh, lead guard role for as long as uh they need him to so i would imagine will barton is the is the is the the number one guy um this is the update from january 22nd so 11 days ago it says there is no timetable for murray's return according to coach mike malone so no update since then you would assume that he would be out, and I think for the basis of this prediction and what we're discussing, all of those aforementioned players, we are going to assume that they will not play for Denver. I think Gary Harris might be the – he played, right? He yeah. played tonight. He came off the bench and played 31 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I, I think Gary might be the only one. But So it's Monte Morris, Gary Harris probably, and then Will Barton. And Will Barton's going to be the lead ball handler. Monte Morris, you know, you, you look at the assist-to-turnover ratio last year, and it's really impressive, but – it's Will Barton's show. Um, so it, it's just what we have to worry about is Joker and Will Barton. Um, Porter Jr., if he was playing, scares me because you would imagine that he would just be a point guy. But he's really helped with the rebound, the steals, the the uh, rebounding. Like he, He's a complete player, and he's going to be a problem in the league 
and for us for a long time. But since he's out, I mean, it's Will Barton and Joker, and you know what? I'm taking my shot. I think the Blazers just get this W. That's a big. That's a big shot. Uh, I think my X factor for for this game is going to be. I mean, there there are a couple. Obviously, can Dame continue his brilliance? Um, when does the streak stop? Uh, I certainly hope it doesn't stop against the Denver Nuggets. But they they don't have the defenders that can can stop him. I mean, Jokic is not a good defender. They lose a lot with with Paul Millsap not being out there, Mason Plumlee not being out there. So you're right. They they are now a poor defensive team. And Gary Harris, who he's good, but again, Torrey Craig as well. They they didn't slow down the, the Blazers in, in the playoffs. And I think Portland is going to find a matchup and exploit it, whether that's Dame scoring, Dame driving and assisting, or maybe Mello can, can bully a guy like Jeremy Grant. Um, Hassan, so that's the matchup. It's going to be Whiteside and Jokic. Jokic is going to be even more of a focal point of the offense with Jamal Murray out of the game. And if you're Portland, you're, you're thankful because that Murray-Jokic pick and roll was was nails for, for Denver uh, throughout last season and gave Portland just incredible amount of fits in that seven-game series. So now it goes to more of Jokic as a playmaker. So Hassan needs to – if Hassan – takes this game like he did with Rudy Gobert and comes out and just goes 100% in terms of production and will and want, Portland's going to win this game. I I think this is the best opportunity for Portland to win, but maybe I'm just a, a little st- still skeptical. I mean, I just, they continue to surpass expectations. Um, I do think they probably lose to Denver. We've never been well at playing in Denver in the regular season when you just get one shot at the altitude. I think it's going to be close. Um, ultimately, the Blazer bench is going to need to perform as they have been. Can they get good production from Gary Trent, from Nasir Little? Uh, but the one wrinkle, we do have Trevor Ariza. So I think that can be a nice, if we need to double team uh, a guy like Jokic, if he needs to defend the ball handler and let Dame, you know, rest up on a guy like Tory Craig uh, defensively. Um, and Hassan has that athleticism to really annoy Joker. Like, yes. like tall, humongous wingspan. I, th- I think Hassan is really going to be important in this game. And I, I, I don't think that shit's going to stop with Dame. So, I'm, yeah, I, I feel good about this one. I like it. Up next is the San Antonio Spurs. This game is incredibly crucial for Portland's playoff chances. This is the third and final matchup with the San Antonio Spurs. And the only time they come to the Rose City this year, uh, Portland split the first two games, losing by three back on October 28th and winning by five on November 16th. So it's been quite a while since the, since the two teams have, have faced off. But this will determine who has the tiebreaker and... Frankly, the San Antonio Spurs are god-awful on the road. 8-14 and 14 on the road. Um, this is a team that doesn't have an all-star for what feels like the first time in, in 25 years. I like Portland's chances uh, against a LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan-led team. I, I think it really comes down to energy. And this at a certain point, it needs to start being a team win rather than just Dame going berserk. Um, but but I really like our chances, especially with Trevor Ariza guarding DeMar DeRozan. 
that's going to be my my X factor. Uh, if he can just make it difficult for DeMar, I really like what we can do with um, um, shit. White side guarding Aldridge. I would love to see those two go at each other. And so um, I've got the Blazers winning. I, I think they I think they win uh, by double digits over the Spurs, who they're just not a good road team. And the Blazers are finally starting to find their groove at home. I think, I mean, we are in the middle of the DeMar DeRozan hottest streak of his career right now. And uh, he's been producing. And a lot of times this year, it's, it's questionable who is the one that's producing between the Marcus DeJounte and he, but right now DeMar's playing really, really good ball. And, um, uh, LaMarcus is coming back from an injury. Uh, Pirtle has been starting a lot and actually been looking good in his time starting, uh, really a willing passer from the post. Good, good defensive, uh, uh, IQ. He's been looking good. Um, so really it's, it, I mean, you know who it is. It's the three that the three big usage guys, but you know, the, the other guys are actually being effective right now, which is good for them. So I don't think it's going to be the blowout or the double digit victory. You think it is, but I think the Blazers win this one uh, by six or eight. Up next will be uh, basically a, a rematch against the Utah Jazz less than a week after Portland uh, defeated them at home uh, by 17 points. Sage, this is a jazz team that looked like the team that most pundits predicted in the preseason. They had just won 10 straight games, and now they are losers of four straight. They have dropped to fourth in the Western mm-hmm. Conference, 32-17 and 17 on the year. However, they are a different, more confident, more productive bunch at home, 18-4, and four, the best home record in the Western Conference. They're definitely going to game plan Dame a little bit. Yeah, I would imagine that they're they're going to play him like we play the Rockets. But what I would say, and I, I read quite a bit of Utah fan forums after that game just to kind of see, you know, I, I love when, when our guys go off and what opposing fans say about that. But also they don't love the Mike Conley fit. And even when Mike Conley was doing well in that first half, they pointed to the fact that it takes the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands. Uh, they don't have really good chemistry with Joe Ingles. He really didn't get any shots at all. And it just it just doesn't seem like it's a match made. No, in it heaven. isn't because they both uh, negatively affect each other with points and assists and ball handling responsibilities, like the fan said. And you don't love their depth. I don't like anyone coming off their Clarkson. bench. Quite frankly, I like Clarkson. Clarkson, yes, that, that is a good point. He went berserk against the Never Nuggets. Almost brought them back from an insurmountable comeback. <laughs> he, he was the reason uh, Donovan Thursday. Mitchell didn't play that much. But. On the other hand, he can shoot you out of the yep. game. So it, it will that be confidence. It will be a testament to Portland to see if they can do it again. Because even right now, I, I like the Blazers as as a roster um, better. I, I'm not the biggest Rudy Gobert fan. I think he's. I think he. I think they play each other. He's a fantastic defender, but I think he's still overrated in that aspect. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, Offensively, you just don't get much from him. I thought again, Whiteside and Gobert is going to be the X factor. If Whiteside can continue to best Gobert, Portland's going to win that game, Sage, because Portland had no problem 
scoring in the paint. I think we ended up with 14 or 15 more points in the paint uh, than the Utah Jazz. The the X factor on the defensive end is can Portland defend the perimeter because that's where Utah was staying afloat for much of that game. Despite, you know, shooting sub 40% from the field as a whole, they were plus 50% for the majority of that game. And, um, you know, Portland's really got to keep an eye on a guy like Bogdanovich. But on the other end, go to Mello. Make Bogdanovich play defense because he's a sieve. He cannot defend quicker players at his position. And again, if Portland just takes good quality shots, works the pick and roll, finds the cutters, if they double team Dame, our shooters just have to be willing to catch and shoot and, and make them pay. So that that, that that's the game in, in a nutshell. Um, that's the game within the game. Um, I, I think the Blazers play well. But again, Utah's just, they're just a different team at home. And again, I think healthy Blazers, healthy Jazz, I got the Blazers in five or six games. Like the Utah Jazz really don't register to me as a, as a legitimate threat in the Western Conference. But right now, where we're at um, health-wise, and given our road woes, even though that was a huge victory against the Lakers, um, I'm going to go with the Jazz to get this victory. I am as well. But man, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good one, but yeah, I... I it's a different they're a different team at home I, I mean you know it and i know it these role players shoot better at home they're used to the shooting backdrop as some would say so i i would imagine that those role players play better but if you were the jazz what would you do with mike conley because it he negatively affects everybody with it with his with him being on the floor you want to get mitchell more run don't you at at see what he is between a one and a two. Mitchell is essentially a point guard. I mean, he needs the ball in his hands. You need to find kind of a guy like Kenny Smith or a Steve Kerr who can either be a spot up shooter or can just defend, um, defend the position because you don't really want to put another ball dominant player. Like ideally like a clay Thompson is the perfect fit next to a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Um, but Mike Conley's not even a really good a defender anymore. He's old. Um, the jazz invested a lot in Mike Conley. They gave, gave up a, a lot of first round picks and they took on a lot of salary. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the deadline. I have seen quite a few people suggest maybe getting an asset back from Oklahoma city to take on Chris Paul's contract and, and really go all in. Um, but th- isn't that just escalating the problem with Chris being even more bald? It is, but I would say what Paul has been able to do with another guard and, and Gildas Alexander and bringing up the quality of play, like nobody had the thunder at 30 and 20 at this point. I mean, come on. I mean, he's a player too that wants to get to the Western Conference Finals, wants to get to the NBA Finals. Again, Utah, like Portland, is a small market, and sometimes you just have to roll the dice. The dice roll for Conley doesn't look like it's going to work, but at this point, given the, the, the nature of the Utah Jazz, they're not going to have cap space for the foreseeable future. Um, they don't have draft picks for the foreseeable future. Where are you going to improve your roster? I mean, you may just have to eat some salary. Um, so that would be... That would be interesting. Um, I think Chris would. But, yeah, I, I think, think Chris would let Donovan cook if it means he gets to go far in the playoffs. Absolutely. And then Portland welcomes back Myers Leonard and the Miami Heat to the the Rose Garden on the 9th of February. That is a Sunday contest at six o'clock. The Miami Heat hurt. Are, 
33 oh. and 15 on the season. I guess the wrong thing you were they are, saying. They are a team. <laughs> they are a team that is Jekyll and Hyde. Nearly an NBA best 21 and 3 at home, but at a pedestrian 12 and 12 on the road. Sage, tell us about the Miami Heat and their injuries. Uh, so, uh, shit. Kendrick Nunn, that's the guy I was thinking of. Kendrick Nunn has been a Q tag for the last week and a half. Uh, Goron uh, as well. So, and Jimmy, like those three top guards have been hurt and then question marks going into the game. Goron and uh, Jimmy have played where Kendrick Nunn has not. Uh, Bam is still Bam. He is a beast. Justice Winslow has oh, been out as well. I always assume he's out. <laughs> he, he's played like 10 games this year, man. It's not, he has not been a factor. So I just assume he's out. Um, James Johnson has taken over Kelly Oubre's spot in the rotation. So it's Myers, Bam, Bam, J- James, small guy, uh, James, and then back to Myers, Bam. Um, but so it's going to be interesting to see who's healthy because they've been playing the game time decision play for a long time. I would assume Jimmy plays. I'd assume Goron plays. I don't know about Kendrick Dunn since it's so far in the future. But, yeah, they've been hurt, and they aren't a good, a, as good of a team away from the uh, whatever their arena is called in Miami. Uh, I'm not as good. As, South Beach. I'm not as good at remembering uh, arena names as you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Miami. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're still... They're still dangerous. They still have two all stars, so it's not like we can absolutely, you know. F- For me, that this game is all about Hassan Whiteside. If he, if he is still on the Blazers roster, it's going to be a Hassan Whiteside revenge game in Portland. I think he, I think he has a big night. I think Portland needs to defend the three. This team reminds me a lot of Utah in the sense that they've got bigs that can step back and shoot the three. You got Myers. You got Duncan Robinson. Uh, Portland needs to keep their water bug point guards like Goran Dragic out of the lane. He had a, stay he out had a really the... good one. He had a really, really good one against us last time. Against yeah. Portland? Yes, he did. He was unstoppable. I mean, Dame almost had 50 and we still lost that game. Um, you know, make sure their bench guys don't get comfortable on the road. Guys like James Johnson, who always give us problems. Rookie Tyler Hero. Um, He's playing Portland like 20 needs... minutes a game, though. Tyler Hero got 26 in the last game. 26 minutes. I guess the injuries he doesn't play as much as I thought a prized rookie would play but there's some guys that don't play as much as I thought they would either but yeah this team is dangerous even though they're not as efficient on the road as at home they're still still good so we can't Philadelphia 76ers them where we talk about how we'll beat their ass on the radio I don't think we're going to beat their ass but I've got the Blazers winning this one so I have I have Nuggets win, uh, uh, Spurs win. Okay, Jazz thank lost. you so much. I, I think the Blazers win this one, but it's going to be close. It's going to be a like a Dame Lillard last shot or a Jimmy Butler miss that gets us the stub. All right, and if Portland again can just get through the All Star break, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You got your bigs coming back. The schedule lightens up. This could be another Terry Stotts, Dame Lillard, magical spring in the Rose City where Portland goes on a push. Again, they're not going to get to 53 wins like they have the past two years, but there still could be some magic left in this season. 
Keep tuning in. The brilliance is something we may never see ever again from a trailblazer and Damian Lillard. Soak it up. Um, it's been a roller coaster year, but right now it is incredibly exhilarating to be on. Um, I can't wait for Tuesday's game. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we pound the Denver Nuggets. And honestly, if we pound the Nuggets or beat them, now I'm really starting to to believe. I, I'm believing now, but like going into Denver, even uh, injury depleted Denver team and getting a victory, I'm like, okay, like we we're a serious mm. threat now. I I, I just Stage. think that with how injured they are and how bad defensively, it's just like, yeah, it it, it isn't the same Denver team. But you know what? It's still Denver on the schedule, and it's a big win. All right, Sage, let our fans know where they can uh, hit us up at. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Himalaya Podcast, Tuesdays, 223 on Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, and like and five-star us, tell a friend about us. If you listen this far, you're a real one, and we will be back next week. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!